Today on Episode 9, we're talking about growing premium corn with Humagro products. Our guests include Mr. Lyndon Smith, President and CEO of Biohumanetics, Inc., the maker of Humagro, Fertile Gold Organics, Mesa Verde Humates, and several other product lines. Good afternoon, Lyndon. Hi there. We also have Mr. Jason Garcia, Florida Sales Manager and Agronomist for Biohumanetics, Inc. Hey, Jason. Hey, Mr. Larry. How are you? So growing corn is quite a complicated topic. So here's how we're going to address it on this podcast. We're going to walk through the typical growth cycle of corn and discuss the nutrients that are needed at each stage. We'll talk about both field corn and sweet corn and discuss any differences between the two. Because here at Humigrow, we've developed over 50 fertilizer and crop protection products to help you deal with all the major growth problems that you might encounter. We're going to tell you about those nutrients that are absolutely essential for corn at each growth stage. We're also going to tell you about products that you might need because of common deficiencies or pests and products that you might want to add in in order to achieve premium quality for your crop. You know, Larry, if I could interject there, I I just think that it's important for our listeners to understand that no matter what you're looking at in terms of commodity prices or no matter what you're looking at in terms of what you're thinking you want to invest in your crop, you can never stop investing in quality. And when I say that, I'm just saying you see farmers year after year that a poor farmer is going to invest a little bit on an off year and and hope that he gets a a better commodity price and he'll invest a lot when the commodity prices are high. And then, you know, he just does this accordion effect. And the real benefit to a a smart grower is he's going to invest consistently year after year after year in his crop. He's going to produce a quality crop every year. He's going to have similar customers that are going to stay with him. The brokers are going to stay with him. They know they can count on his quality. And I I just think that's critical when we're talking about investing in nutrition for the crop. And I would agree. A lot of times we get too wrapped up, myself included. Uh, We get too wrapped up and we look at what commodity prices are. And I can't afford to put this in. But if when we look at return on investments, you know, it, that all comes into play with the microcarbon technology and some of the things that we're going to go over today. We can show growers that, hey, yes, you might be putting a little bit more money per acre than what you're used to. And I call it historical treatments. I'm going to do the same thing and expect a different result. Well, we have a technology that, that has shown that, hey, we can give you a better quality crop and you're not going to have this yo-yo effect where you have one year that's up and one year that's down. Do we have to keep in mind where the commodity prices are? Yes, but we can prove to them that we can improve their crop and incre- improve their yields. Good point. So I started out by saying that corn is complicated and part of that complication is that nutrient needs are going to vary quite a bit depending on your local situation. Your soil, your climate, your water, your water availability, the type of seed you planted, the crop that was in the field during last season, whether you do till or no till, the list goes on and on. So keep in mind that we're going to make general recommendations here and ask that you speak to your local Humagro representative or extension agent to determine what the best solutions are going to be for your crop. Okay, gentlemen, let's lay the groundwork for making fertilizer decisions by talking about soil and tissue testing for corn. When do we want to do it and what do you want it to tell you? Lyndon, you want to start us off? Yeah, this is one of my favorite subjects. You know, you you, uh, you definitely want to always have a, a soil analysis underneath your belt. When you take a look at that soil analysis, and, and by the way, I don't think it's something that you need to do more than once a year. 
But if you do it consistently at the same time of the year, whether that's the fall of the year after you've harvested or in the springtime of the year when you're getting ready to plant as part of your workup, it doesn't matter, but be consistent with it. And you take a look at that uh, soil analysis and what the soil analysis can teach you is what you have potentially available in your soil. Not what is available, but what's potentially available. And then if it's not in the soil analysis, for example, if your iron is dramatically low, then you know that you're not going to have enough iron to raise that crop if it's a crop that requires some iron. So, you know, you, you just have to look at that soil analysis and and take a look at your base of what's in there. Basically, I, I look at it as a soil sink. And if it's in the sink, you have the potential of getting it up into the crop. If it's not in the sink, you're going to have to add it because you're going to be deficient if you don't. And so then tissue analysis during the growing season becomes critical because then you can analyze from year to year what your crop is able to take up. So again, depending on how you treat your soil, if you treat it like dirt, you're going to have worse soil over time. And if you treat it like soil and you continually improve it and increase the fertility level of that soil over time, then you may have more nutrients become available into the crop during the growing season. But having that tissue or leaf analysis during the growing season is critical to be able to determine, okay, at what time or where are my deficiencies going to hit? When are they going to hit? And then you always want to be ahead of that the, the coming year. But in order to become a real quality farmer, you need to know those times and that timing so that your crop never suffers for deficiency. We were kind of teasing before we started the recording about the, some of the national records and how they just keep getting blown out of the water. Well, they never let that crop suffer. And so to get over 600 bushel per acre in the national corn contest, that's just unheard of in the past. But the genetic potential is there. And you have to look at, okay, what's the ROI on that? Was it just, you know, the bragging rights of that 600 bushel or is it because I can actually sell it at a, at a premium price and at a good quality? Anyway, those, those are other issues. What we, what we want is growers who are consistent about desiring quality and the soil analysis and tissue testing is critical for that. Yeah, I, I agree with, with, with Lyndon. You know, I, I've always called it, you have to have a baseline. You, you don't know what you have if you don't pull a soil sample prior to planting. And one of the biggest mistakes that I have seen over the years is we pull that soil sample a little bit too late and we're doing soil amenities right before we're trying to plant and things of that nature. And, there, and there's certain soil amenities that you're not going to get the response or that you're looking for during that season, you might get the response the next season. So timing of, of pulling soil samples, I think a lot of times we do it late. Tissue samples, tissue samples are a must and they need to be consistent because if you get a tissue sample back that says, hey, I'm deficient in these micronutrients or I'm deficient in these macronutrients, that occurred two to three weeks prior to it. So now you're behind the power curve. And with corn, you do not want to get behind on some of these nutrients because it's going to affect ear fill and things of that nature, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But Lyndon's absolutely right. It is imperative to have tissue and soil samples done. Just to follow on to what Jason just said, it comes to my mind that one of the other important factors here is when you're taking the, the soil analysis, 
you want to be sure that you don't worry so much about uh, which lab is you're sending it to. Just send it to the same lab every year. And and then that way you're consistently seeing what's there and you don't worry about the amounts as much as you do the ratios. And so when you look at that at carbon to nitrogen ratio, you look at the calcium to magnesium ratio, the, these are ratios that you want to evaluate and say, okay, could there be some tie-up? Could there be some some things going on? So a, a really good local Humigro representative can help you guide through some of those issues and, and what's needed uh, to make sure that you're, you're getting all that to happen properly. And then I, I was just going to add that Jason talked about you may take that soil sample too late. If you're applying something like a humic acid, which we recommend in the fall of the year, uh, you really want to get that humic acid in right after you take that crop off. And, and the reason for that is it's a large molecule and it starts to work and it can work all winter long in that soil. And the microbes can start to break it down and really create good humus for planting in the spring. And so the most beneficial time to apply the humic acid is in the fall of the year while you're going into that fallow time. Uh, you know, you're leaving your soil to rest for a minute. That builds that soil structure and, and really makes it work. One of the things when I look at with humix, uh, especially our humix, uh, what the way that I explain it and, and like you said, getting it out early, letting it, you know, break down and, and be in the soil, it is definitely going to, to increase the efficiency of their fertilizer when they go into planting. I call it a sponge. Yes. It's going to keep everything in that root zone. So the earlier you can get it out and allow it to get to work, and then you get back into your next planting season, you're going to have a better efficiency on your planters and, and what nutrients you're using at that point. And making more soluble the nutrients that you do have in that soil sink. As I talked about earlier, once you know what that analysis is, more of those will become available and not be tied up if you're using something like a humic acid. Yeah. Are there any special considerations we need to give for fertilizing high-density planting? I love that one. Uh, you know, when you have more mouths to feed, you got to give it more food. And, uh, and so you just have to be careful and make sure that you're compensating for that and, and not thinking that, oh, well, I used to plant a thousand, propagated a thousand, and, uh, and that was one thing. And now with the new high density stuff, you, you're getting multiples of that. And if you're not feeding those, you, you got to make sure you do. Got to find a way to feed them. What about fertilizing considerations for pivot and drip irrigation versus row irrigation and dry land farming? Each region is going to be different. Dry land's going to be a little bit different. You know, we have to be careful when we're when we're doing certain applications on dry land. If, if the plants are in, under any kind of stress, we have some products that I'm sure that we'll hopefully speak about that that we have that will help with that on drip, uh, which a lot of our sweet corn is done on drip. We we don't have as much as a concern, but there's still things that we have to look at and, and things that we have to monitor on when we're applying different products at different stages of the plant's life cycle. Yeah. And I, I just add, if you have an opportunity where you have, uh, you know, either a, a high quality uh, irrigation system, like a drip system, or if you have a pivot, or if you have any kind of irrigation system, uh, I always tease, but you just don't want to water without nutrients in your water. 
And every time you water, if you've got nutrients out there, they're going to be working for you and it goes in with the water so well. If you can time in a, in a dry land situation, <laughs> you're, you're going to be better off if you can time those applications of, of fertilizer with a rain event, with some kind of a moisture uh, event. And if you can do that, then you're going to get more benefits, see more availability happen together with, with that irrigation type setting. Absolutely. And one of the things that I try to tell some of the guys that, you know, I have an array of tools that I carry with me and, and we monitor soil moisture, things of that nature and, and see, is it the right time? And when you're talking center pivots, things of that nature, it makes it easy. But on dry land, just as you said, Lyndon, you, you want to have that soil moisture to make sure that you're reaping the benefit of your application uh, to make sure you get the best return on your investment of that application. Yep. Yep. I agree. So we've got the soil test results in hand. Let's start walking through the corn crop life cycle and examine our recommendations for necessary, common deficiencies, and premium. Let's begin with pre-plant. Lyndon, you want to start us off with pre-plant? Boy, you can never talk uh, enough about uh, quality. You, you know, you, your harvest really depends on how you treat your soil pre-plant. And if you're building your soil, building your fertility, you're going to make your whole year you're not going to be playing catch up, as Jason commented earlier. You're going to be on top of it the whole year long. So a, a good preparation is never overcome by later intensity. It just you just can't do it. You can't catch up. And so uh, having that soil prepared properly is is critical. And so making sure that you're getting in different types of products like a fertile soil uh, or a Zap product, right? pre-plant or the, as we talked about earlier, the humic acids in the fall to build that soil structure, build the carbon uh, sink in the soil, and then building your organic matter or at least something at planting. If you can't do it pre-plant, uh, try to get in something like a, a fertile soil or a zap. If we can get one of our biostimulant-based products like a fertile soil or a zap or the humic acid in the fall, if we can get that in before planting, you're going to find that you can plant sooner. Sometimes that's important. Sometimes it's not because you know you're going to get a frost. But if you can get it in sooner because this type of uh, microbial activity in the soil when stimulated heats up the soil and it makes it, you're able to plant in temperatures that are a little more seed friendly when you do these types of applications prior to planting. And then, of course, your seed, you know, getting your seed in into the proper spacing into the proper depth and making sure your seed is taken care of properly. If you can put a little dribble over the seed, you can call it a pop-up or you can call it whatever you want to call it that goes over the top that gives a little nutrient base to that seed. Uh, something not too intense because you can burn, but you want to just give it a little bit of boost there, uh, particularly if it has a little more focus on the uh, molly and the cobalt. Those types of pre-plant like our Start L has in it or our Start D. Anyway, if you can put those in uh, with the seed or get them coated on the seed, then prior to planting, that's also very helpful. So, Lyndon, back to the pre-plant a little bit. If somebody's using a granular, which would not be us, we don't sell a granular. But if somebody's using a granular as part of their pre-plant, can we help them out with any of our products? Oh, absolutely. We love that that question. Um, we have a product called Extend that we recommend on any granular treatment. We 
we're not real fans of the salt-based fertilizers, the granulars, but if you're going to use it, please impregnate it with an extend type product. Extend is, uh, is part of our microcarbon technology that allows us to complex those nutrients before they go in. So it keeps them from volatilizing or leaching. You know, that's mostly when you're talking about urea, but it facilitates DAP and MAP to be better available to the crop during the growing season. It'll complex those with this organic or carbon base that makes them stay more in the root zone and keeps them from, like I said, you know, being flowed through the soil profile, particularly in a sandy soil, it, it becomes even more important. If you're going to use a liquid solution, uh, whether that's, you know, in the band, uh, a two by two band, you know, that's the traditional banding of a liquid solution, or even some of the granulars are done that way as well, then you definitely want to look at having some kind of a of an extend type product to increase the carbon and increase that availability, keep it fresh so that when the roots touch it, they, it immediately is available. The only thing that I would add is a lot of times, you know, we're looking and, and we're trying to get input costs as cheap as we can. So you'll get a lot of growers that will go out with uh, MOP, urate of potash, and extend is a great thing to add to that. I mean, you're looking at an MOP, and I hope people that are that listen to this understand it, but MOP has a salt index of 116 and a chlorine index of 48%. So you're adding things that are going to be antagonistic into your soil. Why we're trying to build your soil up, you're adding antagonistic things into your soil. So the extend is definitely the way to go. So let's move on a little bit. Lyndon had started us down talking about planting, but let's go back into that. Uh, Lyndon, you were talking about Stardell and some other things. Are there any other products people might want to think about at planting time? I'll tell you, we, we can make that crop just pop right out of the ground. Uh, Stardell is a good one. It's a very inexpensive product. It goes on at ounces per acre, and uh, it's the greatest insurance money can buy to get that seed uh, seed treated. It goes on the seed itself. But there's some other products that uh, in that dribble that can make a huge difference. Uh, we have a product called Z-Max, uh, zinc, manganese, copper, sulfur mix that uh, can add to the fungicidal properties of any treatment that you might have on the seed already. But it just forms a, a great uh, environment around the seed. Another option would be MaxPack. You could either use Z-Max or MaxPack. Uh, MaxPack has all the micronutrients in it. And again, some of the benefits of the Stardell, for example, has a higher cobalt and molybdenum in it, which is very important for uh, root germination. Anyway, MaxPack has some of that in it as well. Then you get into some of the more the large rather than ounces now you're getting into you know pints and quarts per acre you start looking at a breakout product that can help in the rooting and you get that into the root zone or around that seed you're going to just uh, see it jump out you can never be wrong by giving a little bit of phosphorus potassium or nitrogen in that first pop up and so anything that you can add we've got super phos for the phos We've got super potassium for the K, and we've got super nitro for the nitrogen. And those are all great little additives to put into the pop-up consideration. So I'll throw in, uh, we haven't talked a great deal about nitrogen yet, but corn kind of eats nitrogen for breakfast, right? 
Is there a time for nitrogen in, in these early cycles that we're talking about, or is that going to come later? Absolutely. Jason, do you want to address that one? We have to understand that, you know, each region is going to be different, but the way that the planters are set up and, and things of that nature, but you want to get some nitrogen out there, but a lot of that is done with side dressing, but you want to, the, to, to me, the biggest thing that Lyndon mentioned, I love the combination of breakout and superfoss along with either the super nitro or we, we have to keep in mind that phosphorus only moves so far in the soil. That's, that's why we do two by two. Phosphorus will only move anywhere between four to six, six inches, if I recall, in the soil. So that's why we do the two by two when we're doing corn planting. And I have seen some great results of put, putting the breakout and superfoss together, whether it's run through irrigation or it's run at planting. I've just seen some great things, but nitrogen on the onset, yes, you're going to need it, but we usually push a lot more. Uh, a lot more of it when we do our side dress. So before we move on, is there anything else about planting that we need to talk about? The only thing I can add is the Stardell is definitely a good, a good product for especially large growers uh, that are doing grain corn. Max Pack is by hands down probably one of my favorites. And we'll probably talk about Max Pack later because I've added it at different stages in the crop cycle. But uh, Lyndon, you can, you can add anything else that you want, but I agree with everything that you had that you that you mentioned. Yeah, one thing we, we haven't talked a, a whole lot about preparing the soil is uh, when you know you have a disease or a nematode problem. And we've got some great products that take care of those. And so if you've got that, uh, I don't know if we're taking the time today to talk about those Larry, but sure love to love to share with you that uh, if you've got a nematode or you've got a a fungal disease or even a bacterial disease that, that's causing you problems from year after year. If you'll treat it with uh, our Promax, uh, which is a soil fungicide, nematicide, and, or, or making sure that you have the zap in there. If it's low pressure, zap is probably good enough. If it's high pressure, then you want to use a Promax type product to really take care of that disease. Move it away from there. Uh, if you're talking specifically about nematodes, you need to look at your soil temperatures and understand your hatches and your generations and make sure that you, uh, you're you applying at that early hatch stage uh, when the nematodes are just, as the temperatures start to raise in the soils and the nematodes start to, to hatch and they start to come up and start to feed. And we want to be there with uh, Promax to to knock them out. It's a it's a preventative. It's a killer. It's a desiccant. So it's a contact killer. If it touches the nematode, then it's going to break through the skin and it's going to allow the nematode to not survive. So that's that's one of the benefits of that. And again, if you have that proper environment in there, uh, by all these other things that we're talking about, whether it's fertile soil, fertile humus in the fall with the application of a of a humic acid or humate type products, then you're going to, you're going to be building that soil structure over time. But sometimes you've got a soil that you've inherited or that's become worse over time and you've got to treat it. And these are natural ways to treat it as opposed to going into a harmful pesticide or fumigating completely. I'm glad that you brought that up, actually. It was kind of interesting. Our ProMac, I'm just very impressed with. And I, I met with a grower today that's increasing their acres on our ProMax and ZAP applications. 
But one of the things that he told me this morning when I met with him is he was like, I don't know how you called that right. And he had a block that he did a follow-up crop, a secondary crop on. And I told him, I said, you got a nematode issue. And he said, there's no way I fumigated this with pick 60. There's no way (laughs) we sent samples in. Guess what? Came back positive with nematodes. And he put Promax out and that crop responded. I mean, right away it responded. Yes, it was a little bit behind than one of the other blocks, but he was like, you, you nailed it. So you're right. The, the Promax and Zap, if you're having any kind of issues, Promax and Zap is cuts your cost so much from a conventional fumigation. It's amazing how much it costs your, you know, cut your cost. Fraction of the cost. Yep. And you're and but you're not having to pay for for it all up front like typically we do what we call our pigs when those pigs hit the ground you get an invoice for it well guess what Promax app you order it on a monthly basis and that's how you pay for it and you're not out all that upfront cost at a thousand dollars an acre at one time. So let's go ahead and move into that V4 four-leaf stage. A lot of important things going on here. Lyndon, you want to take us off? You know, there's been several studies done, and I just love this, about corn. Uh, If if you see a corn plant just uh, after emergence, they say you – well, they say I've seen (laughs) where you can take a picture of that. And so you can see uh, the corn, the ear. You can see everything inside that early plant, that very young plant. And uh, it's just fun to think about. So at V4, you know, the, you can start to begin your foliar applications. Yeah, I, I agree with Lyndon. You know, this, to me, this is one of the most critical stages in the in the life cycle of the plant. I've, I've dissected corn stalks. And as Lyndon mentioned, you can see the embryo. You already see the tassels, the tassels forming at this stage. And, it, and it's really neat to, to look at. But one of my biggest things that I push is is making sure that we have enough energy in the plant at that point, which is where our super false comes in. But more importantly, when when I dissect that stock, I, what I'm looking at is there's there's a node in there that I always look for. And if it has a gray color to it, then it tells me that we're already behind on potassium. If it's white, then we're we're good, but that doesn't mean that we do not need to add potassium. And that potassium, we have to get out at an early stage. And it's going to help with ear fill. And, and there's some other things we'll talk about later, but that is a big push. If you, if, if you get behind on, there's a lot of crops. If you get behind on something, you're never going to catch up. But you get that super potassium out at that, at that V4 stage. I, I've seen it. And it just, that's when we need to really start pushing our super false and super potassium. If, if they're going to do two products, super false and super potassium would be the two that I would ask them to do. Again, you still have to have that base of nitrogen underneath you. But in the past, you know, 40 years ago when I was just starting in the industry, we used to look at corn and say, okay, nitrogen, start early and feed it the whole way through. And now, you know, we've we've come full circle and our agronomists and our universities are now saying, look, there might be some benefit to some of that potassium early, even though potassium late is very important. 
you know, when you're getting into to grain fill and all that kind of thing, you, you want to have the potassium there to do that. But a, some early is very important. And same with superfos or same with phosphorus. Superfos is our product that, that gives us that. So we're, we're recommending that you consider earlier some lighter doses of those, uh, uh, enough to keep it going through that uh, growth spurt. Um, while you've got the high nitrogen uh, still underneath you, you need that uh, nitrogen base, but maybe not quite as high as sometimes they tell us. Uh, if you have a good ratio in there, uh, so nitrogen will stimulate growth, but it doesn't necessarily stimulate yield. Uh, when I say that, I'm just saying you can over-vegetate a crop, and this is the stage at V4 where you can over-vegetate it really easily. And so you've got to have that balance between the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in the soil. This is where uh, products like a Lecky 7, uh, which has 777, is a good time to uh, to to use that, or our Vital product that stimulates the vertical growth uh, so that you can really push that crop. Sometimes it gets up and it kind of sits there. And uh, I know that's more prevalent in something like a cotton, but even corn can, can come up and get in that V4 and just kind of sit there for a little while trying to figure out, well, do I want to grow or do I not want to grow? And typically it's colder times or whatever. Vital, we can blow right through that and we can just push that stimulate that crop to really do what we want it to do and and push the push it during that uh, v4 stage so I, I really like that that's a great time well and and i also would say Lyndon, and unless i'm mistaken but we we actually put some vites all out at v4 and one of the things that we noted was the the sizing of the ears of corn because of the vital that build up and and helping with the with the sizing. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, you, you're uh, you're generating that uh, energy that you need to um, maximize the yield potential in your crop right then. So, Lyndon, you mentioned that this is when you can begin foliar applications at the four leaf stage, but you know that's a pretty small plant. Are there any special considerations for foliar that you need to be doing at that stage as opposed to say, a foliar broadcast? I'll tell you, I, I love that stage because you can apply a lot of nutrient uh, very targeted. Uh, for example, if you're doing, doing a 50% band on your spray rig uh, or turning off every other nozzle or, you know, whatever you're doing to, to do that, you can apply really good dosages of nutrients for very inexpensive in terms of uh, the the nutrient, the cost of what your application is going across that field. So if you can put it in a 50% band, if your normal rate is a quart per acre, then you can cut it down to a pint in that per sprayed acre because you're, you're not spraying the whole thing. You're only going in the band. So there's some real benefit to intensifying that that investment at that four-leaf stage uh, in the band. So that brings us to the V12 12-leaf stage. Uh, Lyndon, why don't you take us through what we might be thinking about during that stage for corn? Well, any time between the V4 and V12 is a great time for something like Vital. We've chatted about that briefly before, but if you've got any disease pressure, something like Z-Max, or you might even take a look at Proud3 as a as a rotation for that disease treatment rotations, 
And then, I, you know, you just want to make sure that you've, uh, you've got everything going properly with the tissue analysis and make sure that things are going well. I'm a big fan of tissue samples throughout the life cycle of any crop is going to give you a, an idea of where that plant is. And, and we have to keep in mind as well that when we receive those samples back, if there's any deficiencies, it's has been deficient probably for two to three weeks at that point. So things like Lyndon mentioned, the Vital, the Z-Max, MaxPak, I mean, that that's the way to go. With our microcarbon technology, the, our nutrients actually get into the plant a lot quicker than any kind of conventional glucoheptamate or anything of that nature. But we can fix it, you know, imbalances in a very short period of time and show a plant response very quickly versus conventional just because of our microcarbon technology. And you do want to time those tissue analysis uh, to be as early as you can and as frequent as you can to make sure you're catching those deficiencies as they arise. So that's that's very important uh, going through that. And and then again, that, that goes right on through tasseling and uh, making sure that you're treating the crop necessary to to give proper pollination and make sure that it's it's really strong at that stage. That's where uh, breakout comes into play. Uh, you can use breakout early and then breakout at tasseling, and it really helps uh, to set the kernels and to pollinate ver better and uh, to make sure that the pollination is a vibrant, energized pollination to make it full ears and that kind of thing. Another product that comes in at tasseling is the uh, micros, something like a Max Pack or a Z Max. Just a little bit to give it a kick is very important. Make sure all those micros are there for full pollinization. Max Pack is one of my favorites, but I also like putting breakout, uh, and, and I, we mentioned this previously, uh, but I also like putting breakout in with, with our Superfoss. Uh, just to get those plants that, that, you know, to jump up out of the ground, the breakout for better pollination. I mean, Lyndon hit it and, and I love the max pack and people that have used the max pack absolutely love it. And they go right back to it. I have to fight them sometimes to not put so much out. So that takes us up to silking. Uh, what's going on with silking? Well, of course, this is where the tassels are putting out the pollen and the silks are grabbing that pollen. And you want to make sure you've got the energy to make that happen. If you've got any kind of deficiencies on the macros, keeping sure that your your ratios are in balance. So your ratios of nitrogen to phosphorus to potassium uh, need to be in balance. And if you've got too much nitrogen, you need to try to somehow bring the other two up to make it in balance. And uh, the same with the micros. you, you got to make sure you've got plenty of magnesium, manganese, zinc, boron, all of the ones that really help with pollination. Uh, that's be what I would say. Jason? Balance is one of the most important things. I like to see potassium, as we mentioned earlier uh, in this conversation, I like to see a lot of the potassium and, and FOSS put in early, especially potassium, uh, to help with, with uh, ear fill and, and water movement throughout the plant. Uh, but your your micros are also very important. And Linda brings up a very good point. And we have some really good products with our Max Pack and, and our, our Mag 44 to help with that. 
I mean, Lyndon covered it very, very well on the importance of balance at this time and where this stage is. All right. Well, let's go ahead then and move into the R3, R4, R5 stages, which are the milk, dough, and dent. Uh, Lyndon, take us off on that. Well, this is certainly the stage at which uh, the money is made, right? This is uh, the stage at which, uh, based on on the energy that you can get into the ear to fill it out, to to get it all the way through the process and get it finished in high quality is very important. So we always like to recommend at this stage uh, Golden Pro, which has a little calcium. It's got some uh, potassium in there uh, from a potassium nitrate source, a little nitrogen and a little phos, and just a great product to round out. This one will cause the leaf to really turn a dark green as compared to something that's not treated. This is a foliar material and very good. We always try to shoot it with maybe even a little bit more calcium, whether that's calcium from the calcium nitrate or the uh, pure cal, which is a calcium acetate type material. And then if you're needing to raise the bricks, particularly if you're working with uh, sweet corn, then you'd want to use some superfoss. Or if you know you have a variety that needs a bricks raised, then a little bit of superfoss in that mix as well it helps out quite a bit. This is a time to to do another balance that we've talked about, where we check the leaf uh, tissue analysis, find out what's deficient, make sure we're rounding it out uh, with all the micros and all the macros that are needed at this time to really do this uh, grain fill uh, type stage of of the corn's life. This is a this is actually a very important time in, in the life cycle of this of this plant. One thing that I I always tell everybody, regardless of the crop, you know, you always need to keep that calcium and, and super false in there and it, it will aid with your bricks, but our golden pro definitely is gonna definitely gonna help increase that. Uh, but I, I think this is sometimes when we're looking at uh corn in particular and we're going through and, and we're checking and where we have a control and a treated area, we compare the ears of corn and just kind of put them side by side. But when you look at the kernels around and the kernels going down, that's where you're going to see the difference with microcarbon technology. Putting ears side by side doesn't actually account to yield increases you you actually have to to do those counts to see where your yield is prior to your harvest, which uh, depending upon your equipment, of course, it'll it'll give you what your yields are. But that's that's kind of what I look at is how many kernels do I have around and how many do I have lengthwise, and that gives me a count. All right, so let's move on to maturity, that last stage before harvest. Uh, Lennon, what are the last things we need to do before harvest? We love to apply jackpot. It's just in and out, some of the best finisher out on the market. Uh, this is a high potassium product. It's got some other uh, tricks and triggers in there, <laughs> as I like to say. Jackpot will just help finish out that crop. You know, sometimes we've heard that a little bit of extra nitrogen late in the season can help out. Uh, jackpot does have a little foss with it, but you might consider a little foliar applied nitrogen with it. We always take calcium at the half rate of whatever you're applying of jackpot. So if you're going to do two shots of jackpot at a, at a quart, you do two pints of uh, a pint and a pint 
of, uh, so a quart and a quart, you're going to do a pint and a pint of our calcium product. That does have a little nitrogen in it. Again, it just helps raise the protein level in, uh, in the grain. And, uh, and then you may want to choose to do a balance then, or if you've already checked in the, in the dense stage or, or soft dough, uh, you can maybe balance any other micronutrients that you might be lacking. So one thing you do want to verify with jackpot is you want to make sure that the leaf nitrate levels are below 2,500. If they're above 2,500, then you need to put some kind of a nitrogen blocker in there to slow it down. Any kind of a high carbon material that might be available to you, whether that's a, a fulvic acid or some other type of high carbon material, uh, a real inexpensive carbon material would be sugar. Uh, and we recommend, uh, you know, something like two pounds per acre that could be put into the, with the jackpot to slow the nitrogen down. If you have too high of nitrate levels in the leaf tissue, then it doesn't translocate. It's, it's saying grow, grow, grow instead of mature, mature, mature. And jackpot comes in and says, Hey, we want to mature, but it can't overcome too high of nitrate levels. So this is where, you know, you've got to have those nitrates backing off a little bit to really finish out the crop in, in a good way. Some people say, well, we just wait till the first frost and that, that, Definitely is a nitrogen blocker. I agree with that, but that's not what, that's not the best option. What you really want to have is even before that first freeze, you want to have that nitrate level coming down and the jackpot in there to make a difference and translocating the nutrients from the leaf to the ear. Now that's for field corn. Obviously for sweet corn, you're going to go in and harvest long before that. But so jackpot is not a, really an option for sweet corn. Just to make, make that clear. But for grain corn or for silage corn, having that jackpot in there really can add some, some nutrients that are very important and critical for that stage. This stage here can be tricky. You definitely want to make sure your nitrates are starting to back off. I mean, we're trying to slow this crop down and, and get everything into what we're going to harvest. We're trying to increase the protein levels, hence the calcium. Calcium and superfoss are some of my favorites to kind of increase th those levels, but jackpot is going to slow that, slow that plant down and, and get rid of the nitrates and send it where it needs to go to finish that crop out. It is still important to make sure that we're still doing tissue tests at that time and make sure that we still have a balance on the micronutrients and do what, what we need to do to adjust uh, on the fly and that's that's what's great with microcarbon technology is i mean we can we can pull the trigger on it it's like flipping on a light switch at your house i mean it we can adjust on the fly and make sure that whatever we're short on we can adjust it and still come out with great responses the other comment about uh, this maturity stage with the jackpot and the calcium if you know you're going to have some late season rains those are always going to bring a nitrogen level into the crop. So you don't need to add nitrogen if you know you're going to get some late season rains. You're going to get plenty of nitrogen that way to increase the protein. So knowing your season, knowing what what you're getting, if you're getting some rains in there, you don't need to worry about applying too much nitrogen. So let's go ahead then and talk about post-harvest. What are we doing after we've actually harvested the corn? Lyndon, take us into that. 
So post-harvest is a fun time. This is a time where you're really preparing everything for next year. And depending on whether you're going corn on corn or whether you're rotating, which we would recommend some type of crop rotation in some other crop, uh, rotating in some other crop, then the opportunity is there to really set the soil for maximum soil fertility for that new crop. And the very best way that we know of is to apply fertile humus to the crop residue going down. This is something that we've seen year in and year out. It makes such a difference. If you take a look at a, at a field that's been, uh, that's had fertile humus on it, you see the stalks and the roots and even the cobs uh, that are left over. Uh, they become very supple. And by the time you're disking in the spring or planting in the spring, the amount of trash that you're having to move or the amount of residue that you're having to to sweep away or to pile up is is diminished greatly. And so we love to apply fertile humus at this time of the year. Again, that can be applied as soon as right after uh, harvest, or you can wait a little bit if you know there's going to be a moisture event, or if you're going to be able to run the pivot, you could apply it through the pivot. Or if you're going to spray, applicate, and then incorporate it a little bit, doing that right before rain and let the rain incorporate it so that you can really follow through with a no-till type system if that's, if that's what you're, uh, you're looking for. If not, if you know you're going to disc anyway, then just apply it. You could apply it ahead of the discs and just broadcast spray it, you know, put a, put a spray arm right there and right ahead of the discs and then disc it under and, Works really well. And again, just really sets the soil up. Uh, fertile humus will stimulate fungal dominance in the soil. It's the fungi that are going to break down that crop residue and really recycle those nutrients so that you have available. Everything that you invested in your corn crop can now become available for your future crop. And so talk about a, a great savings and a great way to, to invest in the future crop. There's nothing like uh, fertile humus. We also recommend at the same time that you might consider a humic acid application. If you have really so low soil organic matter, then applying a little heavier application of a dry or a liquid humic acid is very beneficial. And so we recommend that you really take a look at doing that, making sure that if you can, uh, you get that ahead of or right behind the fertile humus application, or even at the same time. Uh, you could even throw those two in a tank mix together and do really well. Fertile humus has a little higher pH, and so it won't interrupt the, uh, won't drop the humix out, won't precipitate the humix out of the liquid humic acid if, if you're doing that. We've talked a lot about balanced soil nutrition and, and balanced nutrition throughout the life cycle of the plant. At this, at this stage of the game, what we have to also take a look at is that it typically gets missed and, and a lot of, a lot of growers don't look at it is crop removal values. When we're removing a crop, we're taking those nutrients out. So with something at what like the fertile humus and the humic acid applications, as, as Lyndon mentioned, we have to replace what we remove. It's kind of like you take money out of the bank. Well, you better put money back in to pay your next bill. 
So we have to take care of those kind of things. And I, I just honestly think crop removal values get set aside quite often. I know sometimes we'll do a, co- a cover crop to try to do that, but a lot of times crop removal removal values are not looked at. And if I can just add, uh, you know, if, if you're thinking about adding a com- compost or a manure at that time of year, if that's costing you money, we just recommend you consider a, a dry humic acid. Our humor burst one to three millimeter is a great size to broadcast spread. And that's Mother Nature's compost, ancient compost, but nonetheless, Mother Nature's compost. And you avoid all the garbage that might come in with that manure or with that compost. Uh, you don't have any hormones if it's manure and you don't have any other types of residues that take time to break down because it's already ready to be broken down. And so the one to three millimeter or the K-Hume uh, type product, uh, Humaburst, uh, K-Hume, those are both excellent to apply or our Humapro 16, as we call it, on the colorimetric method. That would be a great product to apply at the same time or close to the fertile humus product. The other thing I'll say too is with compost and, and manure, uh, we, we've seen some issues with compost that has, that have, that has come in and it was spread and the compost was what we call too green. And it was actually being more of a hindrance than it was a help, uh, where it was, it was so green that it just heated up and was burning up root systems. So that's why I think the fertile humus is the way to go. Great point. Great point. So this brings us to the end of the corn life cycle, unless it's been interrupted at some point by bugs or disease. So we talked a little bit about this earlier on in this recording, but Lyndon, what can we offer corn growers to help with pests and disease? Yeah, boy, this is a great point. Um, In terms of disease, most of those diseases overwinter on the crop residue. And so one of the benefits of the fertile humus is you're stimulating the beneficial microbial populations in the soil so that you're not having that overwintering of those pests. You're not giving them uh, that anaerobic environment. You're not allowing them to uh, turn into uh, negative uh, pests uh, that are overwintering in the crop residue because you're already starting that breakdown process in a natural form and not allowing those disease to, to winter over. Another thing that we love to consider is if you know already that you've had nematode pressure, then before you apply the fertile humus and the uh, Humapro or Humaburst uh, dry humic acids, then you might consider doing a quick fumigation. We call it a fumigation, but a, a very natural fumigation using our Promax product. And that would clean up the soil and let it overwinter. What happens is the nematodes that are left at the end of the season, what they do is as it gets colder, then they they burrow down deeper into the warmer soil and lay their eggs before they get frozen for the winter. And then in the springtime, as soon as those warm temperatures come up a little bit in the soil, then they hatch and come forward, uh, come up. And so uh, that's why in the springtime of the year, pre-plant, uh, or even after planting, the one beauty of Promax is you can apply it even with the the seed growing. But anyway, uh, you want to try to hit that first hatch in the springtime as soon as the temperatures of the soil are warm enough 
And we're saying, you know, about 45 degrees, you know, to 55 degrees, somewhere in there, that first hatch happens of the nematodes. And they come up and start feeding on those fresh little little roots coming out of the seed. And uh, that's where a lot of damage is done. And so if we can can hit those in the fall of the year and keep them from laying their eggs, then in the springtime of the year, come in and make sure we catch that first hatch. There may be a need to, you know, 30 days, 45 days later, come in with a second dose of ProMax, even with the crop up and, you know, post-emergence out of the ground. But knowing that we're going to hit that second generation so that we can really stop that nematode cycle from from getting away from us. Those are two that we know that we can deal with fairly easily. In terms of in terms of disease and insects, soft-bodied insects, curatively, we can apply the Proud 3. Works very well. It's done a great job for us all around the world and uh and works expertly for anything that's a soft-bodied insect, a, a mite, great miticide, and a great foliar pesticide. So in terms of rotation with other fungicides or rotation with other bactericides, works really good against the blights, the molds, the, the smut, uh, any of those uh, diseases that are common to corn. And so anyway, just my thoughts on that. Uh, Jason, maybe some practical application of that? Well, one of the other things that I would add to that is that we've had some great success utilizing ProMax uh, for, you know, of course, the nematode pressures. But the other thing, too, is maybe adding some applications of Zap behind it to bring those beneficial bacteria back to, to get those those microbials going. As you mentioned, as the soil temperatures heat up, the nematodes typically they're going to come up and they're they're going to try to get on that you know feed on that root system. But w- between the Promax and Zap, what what I call our fumigation replacement, it, it's a win-win. I mean, it, I, I've never seen anything like it, and I like adding a little bit of Zap in with that program. You're exactly right. Again, we look at 15 to 20 days after a Promax application. Coming back with the zap at, uh, you know, the equivalent of a gallon per acre is a great combination that really, really will benefit uh, you growers uh, long term. So building soil health, you know, there's been a whole movement on soil health recently, and we're right in the middle of that. Uh, love being able to showcase our products to really build soil health over time and Short-term, long-term, but we've got the products and the systems that'll make it really, really become fertile. Well, I'd, I'd have to disagree with you on that one, Lyndon. I don't think we're in the middle. I think we're on the top. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I, I, I see I see the responses uh, from growers that use it. Matter of fact, since we've been on this call, I've already <laughs> got a message from a grower that says, I'm ready for HumaGrow. Awesome. Since we've been since we've been on this call, so I don't think we're in the middle. I think we're on the top. People are learning. People are, and it's kind of one of those things. And I think we talked about it. Historical treatments. I did it because my dad did it. My granddad did it. My great my great grandfather did it. Some of the younger generations that are now starting to take over and making decisions on the farm, they're looking. They're looking for answers. They're looking for better ways to build their soils. They're looking for better ways to 
treat their crops and, and have a better return on investments and, and higher yields, things of that nature. And we're right there. I mean, we are there. It's just yep. a matter of people utilizing the product. And I can tell you right now, hands down, I'm in the field every day. Once they use one or two of our products, next guy know they, they want to know what else does uh, HumaGrow have. And that's what I get all the time. You know, and we can't say enough about some other products that really help, for example, in disease control. For example, our sulfur product is great for any diseases or bacteria that respond to a sulfur type. And now, granted, ours are nutrients, uh, but they work very well in rotation or in combination with a fungicide, bactericide. So our sulfur, our Z-Max, uh, Z-Max is a zinc, manganese, copper, sulfur mix. Tremendous combination in the right ratios. Very similar to what uh, nutrients are, are in a Mancozeb type product. And then our copper, copper sulfate. Excellent. And then in terms of, uh, just preventative, you can take a look at our crop guard, our defend, our Activol. Defend for soft-bodied insects. It just kind of uh, makes it where they just don't even want to come in. Uh, and so Defend is an excellent one for preventative control. Uh, CropGuard does a great job of just building up the robustness of, of the plant to ward off any fungal diseases, any bacterial diseases, and even some soft-bodied insects. And then Activol is uh, for fungal uh, preventative uh, measures for fungal control, and uh, those are very good. Uh, very good to add to that that uh, quiver, if you will, of arrows that you can shoot at your crop when you need to, when you know you need to get it done. So, Lyndon, if I could throw in for a minute, I've been reading the new book by Nicole Masters, and she's advocating the use of adding fulvic acids to pesticides to buffer them and to extend them. You don't have to use as much, she says, when you're adding a fulvic acid to that. Yeah, uh, I'll just tell you that fulvic acid is a great additive to any uh, pesticide. Uh, you can go with lower label rates. You don't ever want to go off label. But going with lower label rates, uh, you can still get very effective penetration, very effective uh, kill with that. Uh, fulvic acid is a tremendous additive uh, for extending that. We also have Extend, uh, our own uh, microcarbon technology concentrate. Uh, our Fulvapro is our fulvic acid. So Fulvapro and Extend are great additives to try either individually or together. We also have the Fertile Gold version if you're looking uh, for organic controls uh, that can be added to some other type of organic type pesticides as well, similar to the to the Proud 3 or the Promax for soil applied. So, yeah, uh, great suggestion, great ideas, and uh, it, they work very well. A comment so people can understand, with the microcarbon technology, with our fulvic, we can run the lower rates simply because we're complexing that insecticide or what they are applying. We're complexing that to where it, it makes that product that they're adding into that spray tank more efficient. Is that correct? Yeah, we talk about it heating up the mixture, you know, making it more 
bioactive, bioavailable, penetrates better, better control. The one concern, the one caveat I'll put to that is you really don't want to leave it in the tank pre-mixed for very long because what happens is over time, these organics start to decompose uh, the pesticides, the longer chain hydrocarbons or even the shorter chain hydrocarbons. And so if it stays in for a long period of time, you might see a little diminishing return on that. So you want to tank mix it right at the moment uh, when you're going to the field and, and make sure that you uh, you don't leave too much uh, for time to to take over and allow that to start to de- degrade. Final comments? If I can just sum up uh, some thoughts here, uh, I'll just add that, look, the benefit, uh, we've talked generically, you can find a calcium out there, you can find a zinc out there, you can find all that. But the microcarbon technology from Biohumanetics, from the Humagro brand, is unique in the in the industry, and we just think that we we would just we just invite you to try it. Uh, we know that you'll like it if you try it, and uh, it really puts the fun back into farming because you can see how you can manipulate the crop during the year to do exactly what you want it to do. If you want it greener, you can you can paint it greener. Uh, I tease about it being an artist. You know, the farmer now can become an artist where he can paint it greener or he wants it, uh, you know, more ears. You can get more ears. You can uh, you can fill the ears. You paint it this way, and this is what you do. And so we've learned the tricks. I mean, after almost 50 years now of being in the industry, uh, the company knows all these little tricks, and our, our agronomists are doing a really good job for us knowing these tricks that it takes to paint the crop the way you want to paint it. And it puts the fun back into farming instead of, oh, try this or, oh, try that. No, it's, you know, we know that this will do this and this will do that. And uh, we can give you the confidence that you need to be a successful quality grower year in, year out. This is what sustainable farming is all about. This is what ecological farming is all about only applying what you need, the four R's that are talked about. We are all over that. We we can help a grower really be dialed in to make it fun again. So we just appreciate the opportunity to tell you about it. I would invite everybody to that listens to this to take a look at microcarbon technology and, and take a couple of the Humagro products because once you start using some of the Humagro products, you're going to want to use more and more. They speak for themselves, and but Lyndon has summarized it very, very well. This is a technology that's come of age. Uh, the creators of this technology, they wouldn't call themselves creators. They might say they discovered it. But anyway, uh, they were way ahead of the time in which they were applying and, and creating it. And so this has really come full circle. When we talk about sustainability, uh, we have products that are sustainable. When we talk about the four R's of stewardship, we have products that meet every one of those four R's. And we can apply less. We can impact the environment much less. We're fully sustainable, fully environmentally friendly. We're going to benefit soil health. We're going to build soil health over time. And so we just look forward to the opportunity to join with you and in a great opportunity for the future 
in agriculture. Okay, gentlemen, this has been a great discussion on growing premium corn. Thanks a lot for being with us today. Our pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Humagrow Farmer. Show notes for today's podcast can be found at humagrow.com. Keep following these podcasts for the latest information on enhancing your crops using Humagrow products. Grow healthy. Grow healthy.